What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Neutral Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. It's at Eric Delala. Phil, good to be with you. Or not, like I said, not joining you, but yeah. just with you. Yeah, I would I would agree. It's nice to be with you as well, Eric. That makes two of us. <laughs> uh, I'm excited because I get to talk to you and because we have an exciting show. The Hoff is going to be joining us. Mr. Steve Atwater. How'd you pull that? I don't know. I I, I called in some favors. We yeah. kind of know the guy a little bit, so... Uh, He's going to hop on. We'll t- we'll get an update on uh, what's going on with the Hall of Fame a little bit. You know, uh, vaccines are starting to uh, come out now across the country. That's positive news for what might take place in Canton uh, come later this year or li- later in August. Yeah, I'm That's already early, on. To, I'm already on to 2021. <laughs> early in August, I think. Yeah. Early next August. year later next year yeah. yeah we're off to a good start good good with uh, the calendar here um but yeah we'll, we'll talk to him about that plus we'll talk to him about this broncos team you know he covers this team so closely knows everything that's going on so we'll get uh, his thoughts on uh, how the broncos uh, can close out the last three games of this season you're gonna ask him uh how John Jornod looks coming back from a wrist injury, or what's your plan there? Eric, we got a, several emails from John Jornod this week. He wanted to know how I came up with Justin Stranod. <laughs> of course, that's a player for the Broncos. Uh, so that's how I got those two confused. Easy mistake to have happen. Could happen to anybody. <laughs> so anyway, we'll be joined by Mr. Steve Atwater, the Hoff. Then we'll uh, also get into uh, some uh, of this matchup here with the Bills coming up. We'll talk about Bradley Chubb and Josh Allen, the two connected, uh, separated by just uh, one pick, Eric, from that draft a couple of years ago. The Broncos, of course, took Chubb at number five. The Bills took Josh Allen at number seven. And uh, away, away we go. Here we are. So they were separated by two picks then. Five, one pick, and then seven. That's one pick separating them. Got it. That's how Got that it. works. Yeah. So like Five, if you were, if one you were pick, on. Then seven. There's only one on the, pick separating them. If you were on the Metro and you, you were at this stop and then there was this stop and then there was this stop. You're when two you were, stops away, when, when one you were at the stop first, in between. First, when you're at that stop, you'd say, next stop, we're there. I said, there's only one. I said, I didn't say next pick. I said there was only one pick in between them. There's only one pick separating them. Got it. That's a fact, Eric. That's not up to anyone's interpretation. There is only one pick in between them. As long as we just keep making deposits, we'll never go broke. Yeah, we're trying to make profits, Eric. That's what I've moved uh-huh. on past that. You've moved on. Got yeah. it. Okay. Next week so, we'll work on counting. We'll talk. We'll talk about. We'll talk about uh, that interesting matchup there, and then also, are there any similarities to what 
Josh Allen's development in Buffalo is like compared to Drew's development here in Denver. Any similarities, Eric? Mm, not according to uh, the naysayers on Twitter. The haters. Yeah, you, you not according them, to those people. Call them the haters. And then, Eric, uh, we could also talk about this Broncos wide receiving core. A lot of potential here uh, with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and don't forget uh, Cortland Sutton, in addition to Tim Patrick, what he's been able to do this season. What's the future of this wide receiving core look like going forward here? So uh, we'll get into all of that, plus our usual shenanigans. Fact, fact, and fiction. A lot of people tell me that's their favorite part of the show, Eric. Many people have reached out. We've got dozens of voicemails just about that. Yeah. We never play them, though. No. Yeah. It would just be really demoralizing to my self-esteem, to my psyche. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people say that's their favorite part of the show. We'll also do Phil in the blank. Is this one of those two-hour shows? (laughs) I think we're going for a record, Eric. I think we might go for it. Sounds like it. Yeah. We're going the distance. So uh, how does that sound to you, Eric? I love it. Let's let's get going. We might as well. Well, I was going to say, if you would like to be a part of the neutral zone, don't Excuse forget me. This, this is an important part <laughs> Sorry. here, Eric. You can leave a voicemail at 707-NEUTRAL. Leave that voicemail, and we'll play it right here on the show. We like to do that on Mondays. So after the game on Saturday, leave a voicemail. And then we'll play it uh, on the show, wrapping things up there on Monday. Erica, you could also leave an email. Yeah, if you prefer to use your fingers to do the talking, you could uh, write in and leave an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Yeah, and we'll read your email right here on the show too. You could also uh, leave a comment on the YouTube page. Uh, If you're watching this right now, just leave it right down here below. Any good comments recently, Phil? Um, not that I've read. No. Have you read anything? No. no. One person said our show on Monday was uh, a funny one. They said it was hilarious, I think. Yeah. They were like, what happened? And then there was a lot of hate and anger email that I just go through and delete all those. Yeah. Not email, comments. They say not to read the press clippings. I read everything. We do. Yeah. We read everything. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Uh, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Eric Dalala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH. Some non traditional spellings there, but uh, you could also just hit us up there and we can uh, get the conversation going. You got an idea for what we could talk about here? Let us know. We'll talk about it. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. And with that, Eric, let's dive into our first topic. A couple of years ago, the Broncos with the fifth overall pick took Bradley Chubb. A couple of picks later, one pick in between them, a couple of picks later, the Bills took Josh Allen. That's right, Phil. They did. If, if you were to revisit that draft, do you think things would go a little bit differently this time? Um, I mean, obviously, the the benefit of knowing what you know now, I think a lot of teams would probably do something different. You know, there's a chance that Josh Allen doesn't even make it to the Broncos at five overall because the way he's played uh, certainly has had a better career than Sam Darnold. I think you'd argue he's playing better than Baker Mayfield as well. So there's a chance Josh Allen goes first overall and maybe the Broncos are in a scenario where now you're considering Sam Darnold versus Bradley Chubb. And of course we know we've seen the reports about how much John Elway liked Sam Darnold and how much they probably would have considered taking him if he were available at five. But Phil, I think 
you have to, you can't like skip over steps. You can't just go from, had you picked Josh Allen at five overall, that means he'd be the player he is today. The Bills have been rewarded, and I know we'll get to this, but it, it is a giant part of this conversation. The Bills have been rewarded by being patient with him, by keeping him in the same system, by allowing him time to grow, to fail, and then grow again. Uh, Drew Locke talked about that on Wednesday, that he was allowed to have the time to struggle and figure things out and learn from that. And, you know, you know, had he been drafted by Denver in 20, what, that must have been 2018, 18. right? you'd have to understand that you're going to go through those struggles and you're going to need to give him time. And based on that reaction to drew lock through what 15 starts, I believe 14 or 15 starts. Imagine what the tone would have been in Denver in the end of 2018 or at this point in 2019, where, you know, at this point a year ago in his career, Josh was just starting to kind of show that he could be the guy, but it wasn't even to this level. I mean, he just, he was overwhelmed in that playoff game. Um, they were winning at times in spite of him. And the Broncos went to Buffalo. You know, I didn't, I didn't fear Josh Allen. That wasn't the guy that I thought would beat the Broncos in that game. It was viewed as a defensive battle. And so, to me, you can't separate. It can't just be Bradley Chubb now versus Josh Allen now or Bradley Chubb versus Sam Darnold, whoever it is. You have to have been willing to go through that that long spurt of time there where you had to be patient. And I don't know, Phil, do you think people would have been patient? I do think so. I mean, uh, there was a lot of talk about Josh Allen coming out. Of course, the Broncos had spent a week with him at the senior bowl that year. They were around him. They were in meeting rooms with him. Um, so they had a really a good chance to get to know Josh Allen up close and personal. Um, and, you know, he's a bigger quarterback. We know that John Elway likes uh, the bigger, strong-armed quarterbacks. Uh, the question mark on him, though, I think was, have we seen enough out of him? Had he faced elite-level competition uh, just playing a couple of years up there in Wyoming? You know, that, I think that was the big knock on him coming out of college. You know, uh, uh, and there were a lot of quarterbacks coming out that year. Baker Mayfield, of course, went number one. Saquon Barkley, two. Sam Darnold went number three. And I, I don't think the Broncos ever thought a guy like Bradley Chubb would fall to them at five. But when the Browns took Denzel Ward at four, all of a sudden, this guy, Bradley Chubb, who some people thought could go even as high as number two that year, I remember. I remember him going through his pro day and Bill Belichick was there and everybody was talking about how great Bradley Chubb was going to be. I think that when he fell to five, the Broncos were like, we got to take this guy. I mean, this is a, you know, a fortuitous uh, drop to us. And uh, I remember them saying that that year that they didn't think that Bradley Chubb was going to be available. And the idea of pairing Chubb with Von Miller, you thought this Broncos pass rush was going to be dynamic and the Broncos had picked up Case Keenum in free agency. So uh, it seemed like maybe the idea of Josh Allen never really materialized uh, when it came to number five. So I think that looking forward to to this point now when we see what Josh Allen's been able to do he's obviously become one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL seems like a really good fit there in Buffalo because his balls they just zip through the wind and the weather up there uh it, it feels like he was a good fit for that market and you see what what's become and now if you were to 
like just to, here's an example, Eric, if you want to frame it a different way, if the Broncos picked up the phone now and said, we'll trade you Bradley Chubb for Josh Allen, I don't think the Bills are going to uh, take that phone call. Well, no, of course not. But um, well, I, I mean, to- you laugh at it, but that in that point, they could have done that. The Broncos could have in that point said, we'll take this guy instead of this guy. You know well, they I mean? they so. could have, but who knows? The Bills might not have accepted that trade at that point anyway. You don't really know that. Uh, what I'm saying is when it was the fit, when the Broncos were on the clock that year, they could have taken Josh Allen instead of Bradley Chubb, but they decided to go this direction. Right, but that's not how trades work. Trades work both teams I'm talking about a trade now. I'm saying if the Broncos were to pick up the phone so today. I understand what you're saying, but you can't, don't you can't compare you a draft pick to a trade. I'm saying in that moment, they could have said, we wanted Josh Allen instead of Bradley Chubb. Right, now, but- today, flash, fast, forward, fast forward to today, they couldn't make that. That same, that same, that same decision seems yes, crazy, no, uh, seems ludicrous now. Yes, but what I'm saying is that, say the Broncos had drafted um, Josh, Josh Rosen at five, the Bills still might have picked Josh Allen over Bradley Chubb at seven. Yes, I'm just comparing these two players then and now. The Broncos could have had Josh Allen then. They chose to go with Bradley Chubb. But if you look at the same situation today, that would they, they don't under, have that I opportunity. Un, I understand what you're saying. But in that situation, the Broncos then would pick Bradley Chubb. Today, they might pick Josh Allen, whereas the Bills back then might have picked Josh Allen and would still pick Josh Allen. It has only changed for one team. Yeah, I'm just saying that that if you knew what was going to happen with both of these guys' career, if you could have looked into a crystal ball, do you think the Broncos would have done something different? Well, I think you have to remember that Case, like you mentioned, Case Keenum had just arrived, but Case Keenum was not viewed in the same way that Joe Flacco was when he got here a year later. Joe was viewed as kind of this, you know, they thought maybe a couple years, maybe three years at most, that he was he still had some good football left, but when Drew was available, they took him because they knew he wasn't a, he's not a five, 10 year guy. I think when they signed Case Keenum off that season in Minnesota, the way they presented it was that Keenum was going to be the guy for five years. He could have, they viewed him as someone who could be that franchise guy. And so that's why the consideration was not there necessarily to go back though, Phil. I mean, you do have to wonder after all the time they spent with him, what was missing in that evaluation that they did choose Bradley Chubb over Josh Allen, because I don't think anyone would argue that a, that a pass rusher is more valuable than a quarterback. And so if they thought that Case Keenum wasn't the guy, if they thought that Josh Allen was the guy, they clearly would have made that decision. So there was, there was something there that they didn't see with Josh. And, you know, for the first year and a half, first two years, they looked right. And that's why I wonder if Josh Allen had come into Denver and played the way he did in Buffalo for the first few years if he would have gotten the chance to get to this moment the same way that we don't know if Drew will be given that chance. And, you know, who knows if Drew gets there. But one thing I think helps Phil is that Buffalo has, they haven't won the AFC East, I think, since 1995. They've they've struggled at times. So that fan base has a little bit of patience, I think, because they've gone through so many bad years that they're willing to say, oh, you know, at, at least there's a little bit of hope here. You know, in Denver, the expectations are higher. And so I think maybe there's a little bit more pressure on a quarterback to perform right away. I don't think that the question is necessarily fair to Bradley Chubb because 
he tore his ACL last season, didn't really have the opportunity to really show what he's the, capable of. And when Bradley Chubb has been healthy, he has been as advertised, in my opinion. I mean, he's an excellent pass rusher. He does a lot of other different things. Uh, he, you know, he's a strong leader. Um, I think that Bradley Chubb has been as advertised coming out of uh, NC State there and and deservingly of the, the fifth overall pick, I think. I think that his future is really bright. And I think that it's it's tough to look back and be like, uh, you know, how could things have fallen differently, you know, uh, now that we know what we know, but uh, I think it gets back to what you're saying, Eric, sometimes with this quarterback evaluation process, you just don't know how things are going to work out. It's hard to find a quality quarterback. And uh, it seems like Josh Allen has really developed into um, a quality quarterback in this league. I mean, he can use his legs. He can run around. He, he, you know, gets the ball to his playmakers. He's, he's been doing everything that they're asking of him and has them in a position to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year. And, uh, um, you know, a lot of that has been due to what's been going on on the offensive side of the ball there in Buffalo. Uh, they're one of the best offenses in the NFL. And Josh Allen is the one who's directing traffic up there. So uh, it's tough to compare those two. But I think that if you were honest with yourself and went back a couple of years, knowing what you know, I do think the Broncos probably would have taken Josh Allen if the, if the first four picks had fallen like they had. Right. I just, again, I wonder, do they have the patience needed to see through or, or the consistency at head coach at offensive coordinator that they have not had really the last few years that that is part of why Josh Allen is successful. And I'll say one more thing, just so that it doesn't seem like we're bashing Bradley there, just the value of the quarterback position any quarterback who is approaching a top 10 guy. And I think right now, Josh Allen is playing closer to a top five type of guy. There's just very few players that don't play that position that you would ever take over them. You know, there's some really good players in that draft. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick there at 11. Bradley Chubb has played well. We know Saquon Barkley is a really good player. Josh Allen probably gets drafted over all of those guys just because of the nature of the position. And so that's not to say that you know, Bradley Chubb has been a disappointment. You know, he can get another double-digit sack season here, um, which would pass um, Elvis Dumerville for the second most sacks by a guy through their first 36 games. I mean, he has the chance to still be successful. It's just the value of the position outweighs it. It's not like we're talking about um, should you have drafted Quentin Nelson or Bradley Chubb. That's an entirely different conversation. Yeah, that would probably be a conversation when we played the Colts or something. That's probably that kind of uh, conversation. And then you'd be but, like, well, the Broncos say, could have drafted Quentin Nelson, but now if they tr tried to trade for Quentin Nelson, who knows if I the still Bills think, would be in I still think you don't understand what I'm saying, but uh, I think that it's okay. <laughs> but uh, to your point, though, the Giants did take Saquon Barkley at two overall when Darnold was still on the board, Chubb was still on the board, uh, uh, Josh Allen was still on the board. So Everybody you know, except Baker Mayfield was still on the board. Yeah, but you're talking about quarterbacks versus positional players, right? So Yeah, and I think they would probably argue, a lot of people would argue they made a mistake. Yes, yeah, I think so. It's hard to go back and look. And like you said, this isn't a bash against Chubb because I do think that if you look at Chubb's overall, he is he has been, he's lived up to these expectations. Unfortunate that he's torn his ACL, 
you know, and he hasn't come out and had like a, a second season like Von Miller did, you know, but uh, I do think that Bradley Chubb's future is really bright. And, and uh, if Von Miller can come back healthy next year, then uh, he's only going to be better. So not a bash against Bradley Chubb at all. It's more of, gosh, Josh Allen has really surprised some people based off of his draft evaluation when he was coming out. Do you think uh, what it would have been 19, 2001, I guess, 2000, sorry, Brady's rookie year. Do you think the Broncos should have drafted him? Probably. Yeah. Maybe we should, next time we play the Patriots, we can look into that. Do they regret not using the 190 something pick on Tom Brady? That would have been a good decision, but yeah. we probably, maybe we would talk. Do you think we'd talk about that before a Patriots game or the Buccaneers game? The Buccaneers didn't draft him. I know, but he plays there now. So it's kind of weird to talk about Brady mm. when you're just talking about the Patriots. You're very confused today, I think. Yeah, I'm you need, super confused. Yeah, you need to maybe you need some coffee or something. Maybe you need to wake up a little bit. Hopefully, you wake up here uh, in our next segment, Eric. And that's when we talk about, like you've mentioned maybe seven times now, how patient the Bills fans have been with Josh Allen. Do you see some similarity in Allen's development to how Drew Locke has progressed here uh, over his first uh, season? And I don't, I don't know, how many games has he played now, Drew Locke? I thought you were supposed to be the specific five, guy. Five games last year mm-hmm. and um, what, nine games this year? Eight games this year? I think more than eight. More than eight. Yeah. Because he meant, well, I don't count Drew the Steelers Locke's game. Drew- Okay, but he's played 14 full games and he's started 15 okay, there games. There you go. There you go. Uh, Phil, I just want to apologize for in the previous segment using nuance and talking about how we have to think about how patient teams would have been. Apology what kind of system accepted. They were Apology in. accepted. Because you're, you're like, let's just put Josh Allen in the microwave and then we just open the microwave and boom, he's an MVP candidate. That's perfect. I wouldn't say he's an MVP candidate. He hasn't been like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes good, but he's been very good. If you listed uh, five guys as MVP candidates, I think Josh Allen would be on plenty of lists. I don't list five guys. Yeah. I list three guys. Like, for example, when there's like uh, the Heisman Trophy in college, they don't invite five players to come and just hang out in New York. They do sometimes. I think they only invite three. I think it depends on the year. Oh, well, in this year, I would only invite three people to an MVP award ceremony. This year, I bet they're inviting nobody, Phil. So dang it, something to consider. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there are similarities in terms of how Josh Allen started his career and how Drew Locke has started his career. Um, the Bills got a few wins Josh Allen's rookie year. I, I think the difference is he started playing right away, of course, so he got that experience earlier, but if you look through his stat sheet, there's a lot of, you know, 40% completion rates, 50% completion rates, uh, low passer ratings, not a lot of games where his touchdown totals outweighed his interception totals. Um, and then you get to last year, completion percentage in the high fifties, but still below 60% touchdown numbers, a little bit better, 20 to nine interceptions. And then this year, of course, he's broken out. And if you look at where Drew is, he's close to somewhere about where Josh Allen was maybe the beginning of his second season or toward the end of his first season. And that's where Josh kind of took that first step where he went from not playing well to being competent enough for the Bills to win. 
And then toward the end of last year and going into this year, he took another step where he's become arguably a top 10 quarterback. And as we heard him talk about, he talked to the Buffalo media and Denver media on Wednesday, said it just took some time, took some patience, being in the same system helped. We're finally seeing Drew Locke. He's in his 10th game with Pat Shermer going into his 11th. We've seen the benefit that that has. Who knows if Drew Locke gets to that level, but I do think it's clear that he is progressing and that he is a better player than he was when he made his first start. And we talked on Monday, Phil, about what it took for him to rebound from that game against Las Vegas, but uh, he's done that. And I think he said something clicked this week where he understood he had to take some of these short passes. He doesn't always have to go deep. That's encouraging. And I do think you could look up at another year and say, hey, he really made some great strides, but it's not going to happen overnight. There's not the Drew Lock you see three games from now is probably not going to be the finished product that you get. And that's good for Denver. They just have to be willing to wait. And it, it does sound like they are willing to wait. And one of the other things the Bills have done has, has been surrounding Josh Allen with a lot of talent. I mean, they went out and made the big trade for Diggs this offseason. We've seen how that's paid off for them. They've got a lot of good weapons around him. And uh, that's certainly helped him you know, get to the point where he is now 28 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, like you mentioned, the completion percentage has really gone up his quarterback rating this year, 103.3. And I do see some of those similarities. I mean, uh, an athletic, big armed quarterback coming out of school. Uh, you know, there's that similarity right off the bat there. And then I agree with you that consistency is going to be really important for Drew moving forward. And as it has been with Josh, I mean, Josh has had the same offensive coordinator there in Buffalo, all three years, same head coach and Drew can now get maybe some momentum rolling here with Pat Shermer. It did feel like maybe something had actually clicked last week. I mean, you don't normally talk about a quarterback's progression and say, all of a sudden it just clicked, but it does feel like maybe Drew's starting to understand uh, that if he just is patient, the game will come to him and he'll be able to hit these big plays. Yeah. And I will say the one thing Josh Allen has probably done better than Drew Locke is keep those interception totals down. You know, he has avoided turning the ball over, especially this year, but last year too, Drew's got to do that better because even if you're, you're not completing all that many passes, even if you're not scoring a ton of points, even if there's something else to be desired in terms of the offensive success, as long as you're avoiding interceptions, you can kind of hang in the game. Um, Buffalo's defense has been elite, which has helped Buffalo get some wins. Vic Fangio talked about that Wednesday, about the kind of the success that they've had on that side of the ball. Um, so that's all part of it. But yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is they recognize talent when they drafted him. They realized they'd made an investment in him and they were willing to ride it out. And who knows how long they would have been willing to do that. I think they've seen incremental improvement to the point where they were comfortable going forward. And I think it's clear the Broncos have seen that too from Drew Locke. And so, like I said, who knows how high Drew is able to get in terms of his trajectory, um, how much he's able to improve. But I do think to assume he's a finished product now is just is not correct. Yeah, and I don't think Josh Allen is even necessarily a finished sure. product either. I mean, he's still got a lot of room to grow and get better. And, you know, uh, uh, he the one thing that he does is he takes a lot of sacks, 24 sacks this season, 
38 last year. Drew doesn't really take that many sacks. He gets out of the pocket, he gets rid of the ball a little bit more. So, you know, uh, Josh, I think might be a little bit of a stronger quarterback, tougher to bring down more of like a big Ben uh, type there. But, uh, you know, I think those are, there's still two young quarterbacks that if they continue to progress and progress, they're both staying in the AFC, they're going to face off each other. I would imagine in some big games for the rest of their career. So, um, of course, Drew did not play in that game last year when uh, the Broncos went to Buffalo. So this is going to be the first meeting. Interested to see how Josh Allen handles some of the pressure uh, heading into this game and moving on in the playoffs here. Uh, the Bills were in position to beat the Texans last year in that playoff game and uh, could not quite get it done. I think that Josh took a had a bad play late in that game. Uh, maybe in overtime it was, I think, uh, against the Texans last year so. Uh, we'll have to see. That wasn't very specific for you, I, Phil. Normally, really specific. Yeah, I forget when that happened. I think he he had like a a bad sack or something that moved him out of field goal range. Something. I, it was either late in the fourth quarter or in overtime last year. Normally, I'm really spot on. You normally, yeah, yeah. So, all right, Eric. Uh, should we maybe uh, take a break from talking about the game a little bit here and do fact, fact, and fiction? Yeah, let's do it. Are you ready for that? I am. Okay. Uh, let's start here with number one. We talked a little bit about this guy earlier, Stefan Diggs. He leads the NFL with 100 receptions this season, and he's been really good uh, this last month. Four out of the last five games, he's had at least nine catches, and at least 90 yards, four out of the last five games, and leads the NFL with 100 receptions. Okay. Okay, you can't Google this stuff while I'm telling you it. I'm not. I would never do that. Okay, I'd appreciate you not doing that. Yeah. I would think about it, but I wouldn't do it. uh, Like I was just talking about, it's possible the Broncos and Bills might have some great battles moving forward if Josh Allen and Drew Locke continue to progress and, and become better and better and better. But they've already, these two teams have had a lot of great battles over the years. We think back to Jim Kelly and John Elway. And, you know, you think about all these great games, but they've only played each other once in the playoffs, Eric. That, the 1991 AFC Championship game, some painful memories there, Eric painful memories. John Elway had to leave that game late and Gary Kubiak came into the game, almost led a comeback. Eric, that was his final action in the NFL for his career. Gary Kubiak. Okay. The final one. And Eric, you kind of spoiled this one a little bit uh, earlier, but my apologies at, at 10 and three, the bills are in position to win the AFC East with a win over the Broncos, it'd be the first time since 2001. Josh Allen was four years old. I think that's fiction, Phil. Yeah, you kind of spoiled that. I wish you wouldn't have said that. But yes, uh, you're correct. 1995 uh, was the last time the Bills won the AFC East. Josh Allen, born in 1996. So... Not born yet, the last time the Bills won the division. Only separated by one year, or half a year, I guess, in your parlance. Parlance? Excuse me? Kevin Parlance. 
<laughs> uh, Eric, though, that AFC championship game in 1991, what could have been for the Broncos? They lost that game mm. 10 to 7 was the final in that game. The touchdown the Bills scored came on a pick six on a screenplay. Uh, John Elway was trying to find Steve Sewell over the middle, uh, intercepted and uh, taken. I think it was only taken like seven yards for a touchdown. They were Broncos were backed up at that point. But the bigger point in this game, though, Eric, David Treadwell missed three field goals. A windy day there in Buffalo. Very windy. The Broncos end up losing that one 10 to 7. A heartbreaker in, in, in the championship game. It's tough for sure. And uh, the first one, Eric, uh, was true. Stefan Diggs leads the NFL with a 100 receptions this season. That's a lot, considering that there's three games to go, and he's been particularly good this last month. That uh, that Super Bowl, Phil, that would have been against Washington. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. Would uh, would Denver have won that game, in your opinion? You never know. You never know. <laughs> Got it. Really good defense on that team. Uh, you got to feel for the defense there because they only gave up three points in that AFC championship game and ended up losing, yeah. you know, imagine so, what Twitter would have said. They would have been just going insane. It, Twitter would have been really upset that day. Broncos. Do you know who was, do you know who the uh, Super Bowl MVP was that year? Uh, Washington ended up winning that. Um, yes. I'm not sure who was Mark Rippon. Oh, Brett's uncle. Yeah, it all there ties back together. It all comes. That would have been a, a little bit of a better story if the Broncos had been in that Super Bowl. That's right. That would have yeah. been. But I don't make the fact and fiction. I just I just answer it correctly. It's called fact, fact, and fiction. Not on the uh, description. <laughs> it's not. So you, uh, you uh, this time, can't walk away a winner, Eric. Got it. Congratulations. Thank you. You can have the voicemail of any Broncos player uh, recorded for, for your outgoing message. For cameo? <laughs> that's a little wait, wait, don't tell me a reference right there. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. Not a cameo. You only, you buy cameos, right? I'm on cameo. Yeah. Feel oh, free really? to go on there. Pretty expensive, but Se- second revenue stream for you. Exactly. You got the, you got the yeah. podcast, you got the cameo. It's pretty nice, pretty nice living. Got to do what you got to do. Eric, uh, someone who could actually be on Cameo is Steve Atwater. He is on Cameo. Is he? Yeah. You you guys do them together sometimes? And let me tell you, he's not that cheap. There <laughs> are uh, a guy like Joe Jones, uh, Deshaun Hamilton. They're more in the affordable range if you're looking for somebody like that around the holidays. Got it. Got it. Steve, Steve Atwater, the Hoff. Maybe upsell, not, not during a pandemic. Not during a pandemic. You don't want to spend money on that. Oh, well, unless you really like Steve Atwater. That's true. That's true. Yeah. If, if you really like him, I think you're going to enjoy our conversation, which uh, let's get to that now, Eric. As uh, Mr. Hoff uh, took a little bit of time out of his busy schedule to join us here on the Neutral Zone. Let's now welcome Mr. Steve Atwater, the Hoff. Drinking from his Nickelodeon mug <laughs> to Thank the neutral help. zone. Steve, thanks for hopping on here, man. How have you been doing? Hey, Phil, I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, with so much stuff going on in the world here in Colorado, um, you know, I, I, I can't complain about a thing, man. I, I really can't. And, you know, I wish 
more people were in that situation, you know, with this, you know, coronavirus, you know, people who not able to work and take care of their families during the holiday season, uh, my, my heart goes out to them. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I have nothing to complain about, Phil. See, that's good to hear. It's good to see you. Uh, how, how much are you looking forward to moving on to 2021? putting 2020 behind you and hopefully uh, getting to celebrate your impressive accomplishments. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm hoping that like when the clock strikes 12 and it's midnight, it's 2021, all our problems from 2020 just magically go away. I'm looking forward to that too, Steve. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. All right. Let's just, let's let's just keep it there. All right. Let's, let's not even go into reality. Then we'll just stay there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Steve, have you heard anything about from the Hall of Fame, anything like that for uh, plans in August? Yeah, the plans are to uh, induct the 2020 class, which, you know, it was the uh, modern era class and the, um, the centennial class. Well, I guess we're all the centennial class, I guess. But um, that whole class plus the class of 2021 uh, so yeah, it's going to be a going to be a huge huge event, huge weekend. They plan on doing it all in the same weekend. Uh, class of twenty twenty going in on Saturday, and then the class of twenty twenty one on Sunday. Uh, so it's it's going to be awesome, though. Uh, it's it's going to be great. Steve, are you glad that you are you glad you get that moment? You know, they delayed it. They didn't have it, but they didn't kind of. Uh, you know, they, they didn't make it worse. They didn't uh, not do it the way they wanted to. They're going to do it right. Are you glad you get that moment on stage like you deserve? I mean, I don't know about how much people deserve that, but. Uh, you deserve it, Steve. Yeah, I mean, as a Hall of Famer, they've, they've all done it. Yeah, it's going to be a special moment. Uh, and there, you know, I've been to several of the uh, induction ceremonies and, uh, you know, there are a few things that, are special and, and make it to where it's, it's super memorable. Uh, the induction speech certainly is one of those times. And then, you know, one of the other times that uh, stands out to me is uh, when the night that you get your jacket, I think that's maybe the night or two nights before you get inducted. Uh, and, you know, where you walk through the, the, the sea of uh, current Hall of Famers and uh, they kind of congratulate you, pat you on your back, you know, you give each other fives and big hugs and all that good stuff. Uh, and then you pop, pop up on stage and then your presenter, uh, you know, presents that gold jacket to you and you put it on and you're officially in. Uh, so I know I've been voted in all that, but it won't, it won't feel the same. It won't feel legit until uh, pop up on that stage and then absolutely finish up with the speech. Uh, Eric and I have both been at these things on Friday night where you get your gold jacket. That is, that is an emotional moment, Steve. I mean, uh, like you were saying, it doesn't feel real until you put that jacket on. But uh, I mean, even for me, seeing guys walk through that tunnel of other hall of famers, I get emotional, man. Like they, they play in that NFL films music and you're going through and it's sort of like they're welcoming, welcoming you into immortality or something uh, yeah you know, like, man, it's it's surreal it really is and uh yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to that moment um so yeah yeah it's uh it's, it's gonna happen 
uh, I'm, I'm not anxious about it. I'm not concerned. It's coming eventually. Steve, <laughs> Whitney, since you were elected, how has your life changed? I mean, when you go out to King Supers, are people like, Steve, oh my gosh. Uh, no. <laughs> First off, I, I don't really go into the grocery stores. That my, my, fortunately, my wife, she, she loves doing all the shopping. And uh, so she, uh, she tells me I don't, I don't have to go. Uh, so I don't have to do that much. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. So, no, I haven't, had, your life that, I haven't had that experience. Uh, well, I mean, it, to be honest, it hasn't changed a whole lot in terms of, you know, how people treat me. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't expect it to. Uh, you know, I have a lot of great friends and uh, family. Uh, and the thing I miss most is just not getting a chance to see all those people. You know, you guys, man, I get got to pop on a Zoom video. Well, Phil and I, we saw each other outside of we were getting tested. We, we crossed the path. Had to get an elbow. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of the games up in the press box. But, yeah, getting uh, the hot cocoa going. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Steve, those people, those people in the Hall of Fame. Is there somebody that you look at and you say, "Man, I'm I'm honored to be in the Hall with that guy," or or that you're looking forward to shaking hands with when you uh, put on the gold jacket? You know what, man? Specifically, the safeties, man. Um, Ronnie Lott, Ed Reed, um, you know, Kenny Easley, Troy Palomalo, um, you know, so many great sailors. None of us, a zillion others that I'm, I'm not mentioning, uh, you know, all the corners, you know, uh, Rod Woodson, Charles Woodson, he'll probably be going going in uh, this year too. Uh, yeah, just, I'm, I'm honored really. The, the, the defensive back, those are the guys that I got a chance to spend the most time with. Um, Back when he was alive, Junior Seau, uh, he was a good friend of mine. We became friends from yeah, playing in the Pro Bowl and playing against each other. Um, you know, I'm honored to be in with him, uh, though he's not, he's no longer with us. Uh, you know, uh, he's a part of my, my memories. And uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of guys, there really are, especially, you know, a lot of guys who uh, played back in the day. Uh, and, you know, going in with, uh, Donnie Shell with the Steelers. And I don't know if you guys know, when I was coming up, I was a Steelers fan. Yeah, but I think because they were winning Super Bowls, because I lived in St. Louis. You know, why would I be a Steelers fan? But uh, they, they were winning and, uh, you know, seeing Franco Harris and uh, Lynn Swan and those guys, it, it really uh, was impressive for me. But, you know, hey, since 1989, I'm, I, I bleed orange. <laughs> I was going to say, Steve, I didn't hear that. I'm going to edit that part out of the out of the podcast. Right, you grew good. up a Broncos fan. I'm glad that you grew up a Broncos fan. <laughs> it only made sense. Uh, Steve, have you thought about what that weekend's going to be like for Broncos fans, especially with Peyton, you know, almost 100% going in on that Sunday? It's going to be a lot of orange and blue in Canton. Yeah, it is. And um, I just, I'm just trying to imagine what it's going to be like with two classes going in. I know – uh, the last time we went, it, there was one class and it was just crazy getting around in Canton. So uh, it's going to be even crazier this year and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you already booked your hotel room, right? Uh, well, you know, the hall, they, they, they uh, have some rooms, <laughs> uh, kind of sectioned off. Uh, That's not know. what I heard. I heard you were going to be uh, staying in Cleveland. There's no room for you, Steve. Sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I'll drive from Cleveland. <laughs> hey, 
And then that's going to hold me back. <laughs> it's all good. I'll fly from Denver. Steve, before we uh, get to Canton, we got three more games to go this year. What have you thought about how these guys have responded the last few weeks and uh, Drew Locke in particular? You're still on the bandwagon, right, Steve? Oh, man, I am. Uh, I'm super proud of the guys. You know, they, 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 they're fighting, um, you know, guys who didn't think they would be playing nearly as much as they're playing and guys who, you know, some guys weren't even on the roster, you know, when we started and when, when guys went down earlier. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm proud of the coaches, man. How they've stuck in there with the guys and they've kept the positive atmosphere and the guys, man, in the locker room, you know, making sure that they're coming out and, and giving full effort because at the end of the day, that, that, that's what Broncos country wants. They, they want to see a team out there fighting. You know, they realize that we're going to lose some games, but as long as you go out there and, and hey, just leave it all on the field, uh, I think at the end of the game, the guys feel good, their opponent respects them, and Broncos country uh, respects them as well. You know, as long as you 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 plan from from uh from snap of the ball to the whistle blows, um, you know it's good. Obviously, we want the wins, and you know I, I think just knowing all the guys that were out this year with because of injuries and that, I, I think Broncos country is a little bit lenient this year. Just realize, man, with, with with all our big dogs, it's it's it's, it's difficult to to win a lot of these games, man. You know, you're going up against, you know, best teams in the league, Kansas City Chiefs. And, um, and this week, I think Buffalo is one of those teams too. And, you know, playing good football, you know, and being in the games, having an opportunity to win. And yeah, it'd definitely be wonderful to win uh, these last few games. But if we go out and we win one or we win two or we win all three of them, uh, I think that our guys have, have really grown up this year. A lot of rookies played. A lot of young guys uh, in the organization uh, who have gotten some experience and, and see how their teammates respond to adversity. Uh, I think it's going to take them a long way uh, as as these seasons move on here. But yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of them. Proud to say I'm a Broncos fan. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, did you say Broncos country is lenient? I don't think so. No, no, well, I don't think yeah, so. I know, yeah, yeah. We expect well, the best. I, I, they, they, I, they definitely want to win, and I yes. do too. We all want to win, but at the same time, if they see, hey, man, we're we're handicapped. And like the game when we didn't have a quarterback, man, you, how can you really expect? You got to win that game, game, Steve. Come on. Come on, <laughs> man. You know what I mean? I was like, man, they should have canceled this one, man. <laughs> Steve, uh, we talked uh, earlier in the show about Josh Allen. You know, the Broncos uh, were still, you know, picking. They picked at number five. Josh Allen was still available in that draft. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, they Broncos went with Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb uh, yeah. When you go back and look at that, I mean, what do you think? Uh, hard to really go back and uh, be able to envision what happened for Josh Allen. I mean, he's been playing really great. Yeah, I wouldn't trade Bradley Chubb for the world, though. Uh, I mean, he's a great guy, you know, great attitude, great player. And, you know, even Bradley, he's having a great year, but he's not – I don't think he's 100%. He may disagree with me, as other people may disagree with me, but, you know, I, I know that he's going to get stronger this offseason uh, and knowing that he played on that knee and it was, you know, probably 90, 90 92%, 93%. It wasn't all, all the way there. And when he gets it all the way there, man, he's going to have a beast of a year next year. Uh, but yeah, Josh Allen, uh, I gotta be honest, man. I, I didn't think he was going to be as good as he is. I, I didn't, didn't think that 
uh, his accuracy was there. But they built an offense around him. Uh, you know, they realize sometimes he, he may be off, but uh, many times he's very accurate. And he's a mobile guy, extremely mobile. I mean, to, to the point to where some DBs don't really want to tackle him because, uh, hey, he's a big dude and he's coming. He, he, he not, he's not sliding many times. He, he, he's running. Um, so, yeah, not, you know, I always love to see guys come in and, and uh, you know, kind of exceed, expe- exceed expectations. But, I mean, I guess the Buffalo Bills, they do more than me because they, they drafted him and, uh, you know, it's working out really well for them. So my hat's off to them. Uh, and he, and, and off to him, he, he's worked his tail off. Uh, he's a leader there in Buffalo and he's, he's doing a heck of a job. Steve, one of the guys that'll try to stop him, of course, is uh, Justin Simmons back there in the secondary. You know, a thing or two about safety play, Steve, what, uh, what's impressed you about what he's done this year and what does he mean back there to that defense? How important is he to what this group has been able to do, particularly in the red zone, Steve, they're still, they're number one in the league, despite they're play- Phil's about to suit up at cornerback. It seems like. Uh, no, man, it's, it's, it's crazy how, you know, the guys have been able to just wh- whoever goes out, they've been able to just absorb someone else in there, get them up to speed and, and lead them and, and have everybody uh, be able to contribute. Uh, but yeah, Justin, he's just an amazing player. Uh, you know, and the one thing that I think the knock that, was on Justin is that he, he, he may not be as physical as just say Kareem Jackson is. Um, but I mean, they, they complement each other really well. And I believe he's been more physical this year uh, than in years past. Uh, he's been involved in the run game. He's, he's not hesitating to get up in the run. Um, and in addition to that, he's a smart guy. He's a guy who knows where to be, knows how to get other guys lined up. Uh, and he's he's inspirational, man. Uh, you know, listening to him talk and you know watching him play, you know, coming up with big plays in clutch situations. Hey, that's what play, that's what playmakers do. And uh, he's a playmaker, heck of a player. And uh, I hope that he can be here for the rest of his career. He's he's a he's a definitely a one in a million uh, uh, player and person. Well, Steve, uh, just one more question for you here, and we'll let you get out of here because. Uh, we don't have that much money in the budget to keep you around for too much longer. Oh, did you, you know? have anything in the budget for me? <laughs> the meter's been going, Steve, and, and I've been looking at it. So, hey, well, hey, well, I didn't even know you had anything in the budget. I, I, I hey, hey, uh, the postal service has been backed up here. It's the holiday okay, season, right. so uh, it might take some time to get to you. Okay, all right, that's good. Cool. I'll take that. All right, I have to, I have to take it up with the post office. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to ask you though I know you're very close uh, with Ed Donatel the Broncos defensive coordinator uh, yeah. glad to see him back out there uh, doing uh, doing well feeling healthy uh, how's he been doing uh, have you had a chance to chat with him at all during this uh, time where he's been recovering from COVID yeah well I, I talked to him a couple of times when um, you know when he was recovering and he hadn't made it back to the facility yet and uh, I called him like, hey, what's, what's going on, man? We expected you back last week. He's like, no, nah, man, stop worrying about me. I'm going to be fine. And, you know, he just kind of tell me what was going on with him. And uh, then the next week, man, same thing. He's still not there. I'm like, Ed, are you holding out on me, man? What's going on? He's like, no, 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 we're going to be there. So uh, I'm really happy that, um, you know, he, he's back and, you know, feeling well and doing well. I know the players are really – happy to see him the coaches as well uh you know you never want to see someone as, as vital to your defense uh 
and just as a person, you know, he's, he's a heck of a leader, uh, you know, great uh, resource for the players and, and the rest of the defensive coaches. So uh, you never want to see him uh, out and, and, you know, not doing well uh, health wise. So, uh, hey, prayers are answered. I know a lot of people, some people may not believe in that, but hey, they, they are, man. And, uh, you know, I know I, I pray for him and I'm, I'm glad that uh, he came through. Yeah, we all are. Uh, Eric, did you have anything else uh, uh, for the for the Hall of Famer? No, I can respect the Hoff's time here. <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, you you in the country club over there? You yeah, you got plenty of money. You hook me up, Delilah. <laughs> Delilah Delala just got off the course. Uh, he's uh, he spent all his money. Uh, he lost it on the course. I don't have yeah, that, uh, that Hall of shoot? Fame appearance fee. What'd you shoot at seventy four today? <laughs> Exactly. Tough day out there. Tough yeah. day. <laughs> hey, you wish, Delilah. <laughs> 74? <laughs> Come on. On the front. On the, yeah. Oh, on the front. yeah. There we go. That's my kind of go. Steve, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking some time to chat here. Really appreciate it and glad to see that you're doing well. Yeah. Same here, guys. Great seeing you and uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays and I uh, hope to see you soon. To you too, Steve. All right, Steve. Our thanks to Mr. Steve Atwater for taking some time to join us. Looking forward to the festivities later next year, uh, Eric. Hopefully everything happens uh, accordingly and we can get to Canton and, and celebrate 27's tremendous football career. Well, Parks? Um, that might be like a, a little bit later, maybe like 15 years from now. Got it. No, I'm uh, very excited to celebrate Steve, and I think Peyton Manning will probably be there too. Could be probably, nice. probably. Could be nice. Probably, Eric. Um, and with that, let's get to our next topic of conversation here, Eric, and that is a, a little bit of uh, talk about this Broncos wide receiver core. Uh, of course, we know what KJ Hamler was able to do last week, the two touchdowns on just two catches. Very efficient. Uh, you talk about Jerry Judy. You only feel like he's going to continue to get better and better and better. Uh, Tim Patrick's had a breakout season and Cortland Sutton is coming back for next year. Uh, has seen him around the facility a little bit more rehabbing already getting after it. What do you think about this group moving forward? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be the strength of the football team and that if Drew Locke can continue to improve, they could have one of the better passing attacks. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they balance all these targets. We've talked about this a few times that especially if you run the ball the way the Broncos do, and you take advantage of some of these short passes to the tight ends. There are going to be games where a guy like Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton only gets a couple catches. And, you know, hopefully there's enough to go around to keep all those guys happy to involve all their different skill sets. But I think the thing that encouraged me encourages me most is that their skill sets are varied. And so depending on the week, you can really challenge defenses in a variety of ways. You know, if you want a guy that can beat a cornerback with speed, KJ Hamler's your guy. If you think, you know, a team plays man and, and Jerry Judy is a guy that can beat them with his route running, you've got that as an option. Cortland Sutton, of course, is a red zone target. He can uh, go up and make these big plays. He's a strong physical receiver who can make contested third down catches it's nice to have those options and to not just have kind of duplicates of guys. And I think that in this league, every team really needs three good cornerbacks, but I think it's clear that with the Broncos offense at its full potential, you're probably going to need four, 
or, or at least three in, a, in somebody who can cover a tight end, um, a linebacker that can cover a running back out of the backfield. That's a tough ask for a defense. And so um, I just think it gives you the opportunity with that core to be multiple, to do some different things, to challenge defenses in different ways. And you might not beat somebody with Cortland Sutton every week. You might go to Judy or Hamler or Noah Fant, but to have all those guys as options is uh, it's a good problem to have. The Broncos have clearly made the offensive side of the ball priority the last couple of years here, uh, using their early draft picks, primarily all on offense. I mean, you think about a couple of years ago, Noah Fant, Dalton Reisner, Drew Locke. This past year, first two picks, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. So they've really emphasized that side of the ball. Hasn't quite materialized that on the field this year in terms of a lot of points being scored. But I do think that when this whole unit is together moving forward, I do see it becoming a strength of the Broncos. And we've talked about the need to be able to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs. We've, we've talked about how it's important to be able to put up points when you play them and uh, be able to keep pace with them. And I do think that what they've done in Kansas City, it can eventually, I don't, I don't want to say it's going to be the same thing here in Denver, but I do think that you're going to be able to put up some serious points when you play the Chiefs. And with Vic taking charge on the defensive side of the ball, you feel like that's going to continue to be a strong point. And then if that offense could get to where we think that it could get to, then you see a bright future. You see the pieces in place here in Denver to be successful moving forward. We've seen flashes from some of these young guys. If they are able to become more consistent and be able to take that next step and bring it every single week, then I think that you'll be talking about a dynamic offense that's up there with some of the best in the NFL. Yeah, consistency is obviously important. And I think also you look at the kind of jump that Cortland Sutton made from year one to year two, I think there's no reason to expect that Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler wouldn't make similar jumps. And so you could be looking at guys that were already impressive as rookies. And now, you know, who knows what happens with the offseason program, with training camp, with preseason games. Certainly, I would think preseason games seem more likely to return. Um, if you have those extra reps, they can take a big jump. And so now you could be looking at three guys. Tim Patrick has obviously emerged as an impressive option you've just got kind of the pieces that you've been missing in recent years and bringing up the chiefs is interesting because there are times Phil, when the Broncos stop Tyreek Hill and they can just go to Travis Kelsey or they can go to McCall Hardman. They can go to Sammy Watkins. There are times when you stop Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill has a big game and beats you. They just have so many different options that it's hard to slow everybody down. The Broncos, you would hope could become that same type of threat. Um, you know, I always kind of take stock when an opposing player says something and Stefan Diggs, who you mentioned earlier, Phil, he said on Wednesday that he'd really been watching Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler closely and said they could be a damn good duo. He said it, not me. A DGD. <laughs> exactly. And that they could be a triple headed monster with Corlin Sutton. I mean, that's a, uh, that's high praise from a guy who leads the league in receptions, who knows a little bit of, uh, you know, about making big catches. So uh, I would be really encouraged. And you look, like I said, you look around the roster, that could be the the deepest position group. I mean, even a guy like Tyree Cleveland is talented. I think it's clear that we've seen that in training camp um, a couple times during the year. 
he can't even get on the field because these guys are so impressive. So uh, let's hope that they finish strong. And certainly if Drew is able to continue to play the way he did, they're going to get more and more opportunities to show what they can do. And you get these guys in space, Phil, they're going to uh, be a, a test, a challenge for defenses to get down. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say is I don't know if it's fair to necessarily say compare Cortland Sutton's jump uh, that he was able to make to become a pro bowler in his second season. I mean, that is pretty unusual for a guy to be able to just really improve the way that Corlin Sutton did last season. Uh, not, fa- not necessarily fair to put that expectation maybe on Judy or, or Hamler, but I think you hope that they could do that. They've certainly had better rookie years than Sutton has had. Um, but I think you look at a guy like Hamler, he brought this up himself. He said, man, after dropping that third down pass against the Chiefs, he really felt like that was on him. He took a lot of responsibility on that. And it was really encouraging to see him bounce back uh, against the Panthers last week and have that huge game. Now, if you could see him continue to build upon this, I think these last three games, a lot of eyes are going to be on those wide receivers and Drew Locke, obviously, but but on these wide receivers to see, okay, can they continue this momentum? And if they can, heading into the offseason, it's going to be an exciting uh, offseason for those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think with Judy, you know, he's on pace to finish with about 800 yards. Um, next year, you'd like to think maybe he can make a jump to a 1,000-yard season. That would certainly get him in Pro Bowl contention. I think that's what you expect sooner rather than later from the 15th overall pick. I mean, obviously Julio Jones is a different level talent, but you look at a a duo like Jones and Calvin Ridley, I think that's what you hope Sutton and Jerry Judy can be. And Mm -hmm. so um, I don't think it is too much to expect Judy or Sutton to to reach that level in 2021. Um, Obviously, it's difficult for two guys from the same team to make the Pro Bowl at one position. It does happen, but it's it's rare. but those guys should feed off each other should be easier for Judy to get open with Sutton back on the field next year. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's reasonable for Judy to expect to push a thousand yards and challenge for a pro bowl. I mean, that's, that's what you want from a guy of that caliber. Um, Phil, the other thing I'll say with KJ for him, a jump is maybe not the pro bowl, but maybe it's, maybe it's 500 yards and a couple, you know, three to five touchdowns somewhere in that range where you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, that's a really good season for him as a third option. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd sell KJ short. I mean, he's been uh, uh, exceeding expectations this season. We've talked about this here where we thought, oh, he was just going to be a smaller speed guy who just, uh, you know, fits into these really specific situations, but he's really emerged as, as a guy who you could get the ball to him in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's selling him short to say five to six hundred yards. He's at three seventy-seven this year. Um, you got to imagine that you're going to get the ball to Noah and, and Cortland a little bit more. So, again, because there's so many weapons, it might be that some of these numbers are a little bit lower than you'd expect if if KJ were the number two guy on a team or or the number one guy or something like that. So, uh, if I got this right, uh, how many yards for Sutton? I didn't say anything for Sutton. Oh, but definitely Pro Bowl. I said that and then, you would expect Sutton or Judy to challenge for a Pro Bowl, yeah. Well, I mean, Sutton's already made the Pro Bowl, so yes, I would expect him every year from now on to be right. at but, least in, in that position. Right, but you you like to see him make the Pro Bowl kind of on that first ballot. Got it. That Got I think it. that's the next step for him. 
challenge well, for an all definitely pro team. Always, he should be in that conversation no matter what. Yeah. And then a thousand yards for Judy, 600 for Hamler. Well, I'm just trying to get to where you, we score 35 points a game like you were looking for. Before I was just going to say, I was like, maybe these numbers are similar to when I made some kind of crazy comment like that. Well, I think if you say a thousand for each of those top two guys, 600 for KJ, another six to 700 for Noah Fant. I mean, you're still in a range where that you're only at about 30 something hundred yards. And I think most successful quarterbacks in this league now are pushing 4,000 yards. So yep. not out of the question. Would love to see it, Eric. Would love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, should we wrap things up with uh, a little fill in the blank, Eric? Uh, do you have some of those prepared? Yeah, I got a couple of them for you, Phil. Okay. The, the first one, Phil, uh, bringing up Jerry Judy, bringing up KJ Hamler, blank has been the most successful rookie relative to expectations for the Broncos this year. Hmm. Relative to expectations. Yes. So I would obviously, say KJ Hamler. Okay. Yeah, I would say that just because I really, initially heading into the season, like we were just talking about, Sutton and uh, I thought that Judy and I thought that Fant were going to dominate the the targets. But Hamler has really made the most of uh, his opportunities. A couple of drops here and there, but for the most part, uh, I've been really impressed with him, especially considering he was injured early. And, uh, you know, he seems like he's got a great, grasp of the offense and he's open a lot any comments on why him over jerry judy or no uh well i had very high expectations for judy yes and he hasn't quite i mean hamler has more touchdowns than judy does mm, that's true so that i would say is i i would just say that uh, i think jerry's had a solid rookie year but maybe not quite up to probably not even his own expectations yeah, no, I agree with with KJ. I think when we talked preseason, I said somewhere in the range of 400 yards um, and a couple of touchdowns. Obviously, he moved past that from a touchdown perspective against the Panthers, and I think is starting to show real game-breaking ability, not just with his speed, but able to shake off a few tackles against the Chiefs, able to get open um, on these third-down situations. He's been impressive. One guy I feel that I wish could have stayed healthy is Albert O because he really, I thought, and to me, I was like, oh, he's the same body build as Noah Fant. They kind of do the same things well. Is there really a place for him? Is he going to get snaps on this offense? And especially in the red zone, he was just really good and gave you kind of another threat. It was clear that Drew had a comfort level with him. So I wish he could have played a full year because what he showed in just a couple of games was really encouraging. I agree. I agree. Uh, was really excited about his uh, potential there. Eric, maybe a time for one more? Yeah, we got time for one more. Uh, fill in the blank, Phil. Uh, Broncos have a lot of unrestricted free agents and, and team options they got to figure out, but some restricted free agents are interesting to me, Phil. I'm going to give you three names. You tell me which, or four names. You tell me which guy you think is most important to keep as a restricted free agent. Of course, you tender that guy. You could extend him, but you would tender him, keep him for another year, and then kind of figure out where to go from there. So those four guys are Trey Marshall, Tim Patrick, A.J. Johnson, and Philip Lindsay. Who is most important to keep? Um, relative to what else is going on at his position, I would say Alexander Johnson, who Vic has been very high on this year. 
you know, he's been working with him. He's been getting a lot out of him. He's been a solid starter at that linebacker position. And compared to the talent at that linebacking position, the Broncos really rely on Alexander Johnson to be solid there. Whereas I do think that it's important to bring back Tim Patrick, but you, we just talked about how much talent is at that position in addition to Patrick. So I would say Alexander Johnson. And you would say Tim Patrick second. Yeah. Wow. The Philip Lindsay lovers are going to come for you, Phil. Well, they're already coming for you. So I'm just, uh, I'm just going to join join me. Yeah. You can join me. No, I, I completely agree. Alexander Johnson, uh, what he's showed. And, and like you said, the depth of that position, he's the more important guy there. That's no disrespect to Tim. It's just how the position group shakes up. And, um, you know, depending on what the Broncos decide with Kareem Jackson, uh, he's still under contract, but Trey Marshall could be a guy that maybe they want to see him him start. He's obviously a great depth player and special teams guy. So I would actually put Philip Lindsay last among those four players. Just Now because. they're really coming for you. Just forget about it. Get me. Yeah. So. Eric, uh, thank you for those uh, fill-in-the-blanks here. Uh, I think we have time for a quick shout-out, and we'll wrap up the show. You got a shout-out? Yeah, of course. Shout-out Liz Manis. I think it's important. Community department, Justin Simmons, not only the Walter Payton Man of the Year, he's the Darren Williams Good Guy Award winner. Uh, He just donated a bunch of money to some families in need. Just continues to show up in the community, Phil. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, really a great job by Justin Simmons working with the media. Uh, has won that award now three times. First Broncos player to ever win that award three times. So uh, shout out to Justin Simmons. And of course, shout out Liz Manis uh, doing some important work in the community during the holiday season. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Neutral Zone. Our thanks to Mr. Steve Atwater, the Hoff, for joining us. Uh, We talked a little bit about Bradley Chubb, Josh Allen, that 2018 draft class. And then also uh, if there's some similarities to uh, Allen and Drew Locke. Uh, So we broke that down a little bit. And then we got into a a nice discussion there about the Broncos wide receiver core moving forward. We will be back on Monday after the Broncos uh, face the Bills on Saturday. Until then, for Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to... The neutral, the neutral zone. This is Bronco Batman, and you're listening to the neutral zone.